Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school, and that is what this podcast is designed to do to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Okay, welcome to the show, everybody. Today we are talking about the endocannabinoid system, and this is a difficult topic. It's there's a good reason why you don't hear a lot of experts tackling the endocannabinoid system. One of the reasons is that um, we'll just sort of say this right off the bat: is that this is a difficult area. There is a ton we know. We've had a lot of study into this area, but. It is confusing because uh, there is so much information, and at some times it can seem like this system does absolutely everything. It's hard to sort of nail down what's happening because there's so much going on, and that's how come you hear things about CBD, uh, the cannabinoid cannabidiol, CBD, which is an exogenous cannabinoid meaning that it's something that we that is made in plants that we we take in from outside of ourselves as opposed to endogenous which is cannabinoids or chemicals we make inside our body so something like cbd or cannabidiol is an exogenous uh cannabinoid and it has many many different effects in fact it overlaps in many different areas in our physiology and that's because there are cannabinoid receptors all over the body and in the brain. And that's one of the things that I want to say right off the bat here as we have this discussion is that you want to be taking a lot of this with a grain of salt, not because I haven't studied the area, not because I'm not giving you good quality information, but simply because there's so much we don't know we don't know. So as I always remind us on this particular show, science is an emerging field. And so I'm going to give you some of the things that we think we know now. I'm going to give you some interesting things to look out for in the future with this area. And I'm going to give you some really hopefully practical uh, tools as well as some product recommendations uh, about uh, how to use uh, cannabinoids. Um, All right, so let's get into this. So what exactly are uh, and is the endocannabinoid system? Well, from Learning from me and this podcast, you probably know an awful lot now about hormones. But if you don't, let's just start from the beginning. What exactly is a hormone? Well, without getting into the biochemical definition, which has a lot to do with, you know, this cholesterol, uh, this molecule made from cholesterol that has certain attributes that signal certain things to certain parts of the body. All we want to essentially just say is, let's just take all signaling molecules, any molecule that interacts with a receptor, either on a cell membrane or in the cell nucleus, and sends a signal or alters cellular uh, metabolism or uh, machinery. 
these hormones, also known as signaling peptides or cytokines, if they're coming from the immune system, or myokines, if they're coming from the muscle, or adipokines, if they're coming from fat, or neurotransmitters, if they're hormones in the brain. Um, we're just going to lump all these under the rubric of hormones, and we're going to call these all signaling molecules. They're essentially like our body's internal mailmen. They are essentially sending signals around the body to maintain homeostasis or to adjust to nutrient status or to respond to a stressful insult on the body. So all of these things are hormones. And the endocannabinoid system is a system of uh, communication. It is another group of signaling molecules that may be most profound and pronounced in the realm of helping us adapt to stress. And so the way I like to think about this is you can think about sort of the nervous system, right? And the nerves that send signals around our body. Think about that as a highway system, the roads that you travel on in your car sort of every day, right? And you can kind of think of the cars traveling on that road is basically hormones, basically, right? So we have this way of communicating. We can communicate with the body via nervous system signals. The brain sends a nervous system signal down to the muscle, let's say, so you move. The tongue sends a nervous system signal up to the brain to uh, tell the brain about what kind of food you just ate. Is it sweet? Is it sour? Is it potentially, uh, you know, going to be uh, something that it has uh, excess bacteria and is going to get us sick and we need to mount an immune response? Or is this something that has a certain texture and taste and flavor that tells the brain that there's an awful lot of nutrients coming, which then the brain sends signals to the pancreas and other places to say, hey, get ready for the sugar, release insulin, which then the insulin goes to the different muscles and says, hey, prepare to get this sugar. This is what we're talking about. The endocannabinoid system is just another system like any other hormone to essentially send information around the body. And so if the nervous system signals are like the road and the hormones are kind of like the cars, one of the ways I like to think about the endocannabinoid system is, is it's like the traffic signals. It's like the red light and the green light and the yellow light. Obviously, we need roads to travel on and we need cars so that we can travel. But if we didn't have road signs, we would certainly have a lot of mess out there, wouldn't we? If we didn't have road signs and traffic signals. And the way I like to think about the endocannabinoid system is almost like our traffic signals. It's the thing that slows down traffic, stops traffic, or speeds up traffic. And this is kind of what you can kind of think about this. So our hormonal system and our nervous system is sort of layered on top of this other system, this other communicating system called the endocannabinoid system, which we don't know near as much about. But as we learn more and more, we see that the endocannabinoid system is sending signals all over the body. And there's essentially two different receptors. And let's just talk about hormones and receptors just a minute so I don't lose all of you who don't really get this stuff at the level that some of us do. When we talk about hormones as male men, right? Essentially, all a hormone is, is a chemical compound that has basically a message that it's bringing to a tissue, right? So let's say that the thyroid hormone goes to your muscle cells, let's say, and it carries a message. And maybe it says, hey, muscle, 
speed up metabolic rate or break down some of the glycogen you have stored or that kind of thing. And the way it does that is essentially drives up to your mailbox, sticks that uh, message into your mailbox, and then, you, you know, you basically come out, read the message, and then go inside and do what it tells you to do, right? And so in a very real sense, when you bring this messenger, this mailman comes, the receptor is basically the mailbox. So once that message goes into the mailbox, then the cell reads it and carries out the information that this wanted to happen. Some people describe it as a lock and a key, if this is a better analogy for you, that there's a certain shape of the lock and the hormone comes in and uniquely acts as a key to that lock, unlocks that lock, makes confirmation changes in that receptor, which change then the cellular machinery. Well, when it comes to the endocannabinoid system, there's basically two major receptors that are being interacted upon by these different cannabinoids, the CB1, cannabinoid 1 receptor, and the CB2 receptor. Now, these receptors are all over the place. There's CB1 in the brain and the body, and there's CB2 in the brain and the body. But when you think about these, think of CB1 as being mostly brain, and think of CB2 as being mostly body. And so CB1 has lots of mood-based effects when it's interacted upon, uh, and CB2 has lots of body-based effects when it's acted upon. Now, there is some overlap here. There is CB2 in the brain, just not as much, and there is CB1 in the body, just not as much. And so to simplify this for us as we have these discussions, you can think of cannabinoid receptor 1 in the brain and cannabinoid receptor 2 in the body, right? Now, what ends up happening then is we have exogenous compounds, cannabinoids, hormone-like chemicals we can take in through plants that think stimulate CB1 in the brain and CB2 in the body. We also make a lot of cannabinoids. And let's cover that first so you can sort of understand what the point of this is. What are the cannabinoids doing? What messages are they sending? What's the purpose for the metabolism? Well, they're basically helping us respond, like many hormones are, to stress and nutrient need. And so they obviously have a lot to do with appetite, stimulating appetite, stimulating cravings, reducing stress responses, amplifying stress responses, uh, increasing, uh, you know, uh, immune, immune parameters or decreasing immune parameters, this kind of thing. And so when we think about cannabinoids, we usually think of stress and anxiety and things that take away stress and anxiety. So both, right? We tend to think about things that can regulate the immune system up or down, right? We tend to think about stress reactivity and appetite as well, things that amplify appetite or decrease appetite. And you can kind of think of this to make it simple as the CB1 and the CB2 sort of being opposite in a sense, although they are related. They're almost like on a seesaw. So they're having this sort of back and forth effect. And then these different compounds that we either make in our body or get from plants, specifically marijuana or cannabis or hemp, right? Specifically, those plants can interact then with this. And so it's kind of like hacking your metabolism in a sense if we know how to use this, which is why I'm having this particular episode, because we want to know how to uh, sort of hack into this endocannabinoid system, because what we're finding more and more is that this particular system is becoming critical as we learn more and more about healthy metabolism, being able to recover, 
restore, relax, regenerate, being able to have a healthy anti-inflammatory response and a healthy immune response, being able to regulate appetite, which is one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have this discussion with you because one of the major things we need to be able to do is to control appetite and to control cravings if we're ever going to get a handle on uh, our metabolism. And one of the major ways that it's looking like we might be able to do this is through the use of cannabinoids, specifically CBD. And I'll get into this in just a minute. And so you're going to probably be hearing more about this as the science sort of releases in how we can hack into our endocannabinoid system, control appetite and cravings to some degree by using some of these exogenous cannabinoid sources like CBD or even THC, which is the more popular cannabinoid, the more psychoactive cannabinoid in uh, marijuana. And so let's get into this a little bit. First, how do we make these? Well, you make these from polyunsaturated fats, the ones you make in your body, right? And so we typically have two types, omega-6s and omega-3s. You probably heard this before. Omega-6s, you know, basically make... uh, two types of cannabinoids. One is called anandamide. Uh, It's oftentimes renamed chemical bliss. We make this in our body. It's actually uh, present in uh, chocolate as well. And so, like I said, you can get anandamide, you can make endogenously inside yourself, or you can get exogenously from cocoa and other compounds. But anandamide is made from polyunsaturated fatty acid, omega-6. We also have another one called 2-arachidonyl glycerol. And that one, 2-AG, is also made from polyunsaturated fatty acid omega-6s. Now, these interact with CB1 and CB2 receptors uh, a little bit, but anandamide mainly reacts with just CB1 and it does it weekly, whereas 2-AG interacts with CB1 and CB2. Now, These come from the the polyunsaturated fatty acids, omega-6s. Now, what a lot of people don't know is you also make cannabinoids from the omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids. These are things like docosahexanoic acid, you've heard of DHEA, and EPA, icosapentanoic acid. Well, you can make cannabinoids from these long-chain omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids. And these ones are uh, tougher to name, but uh, I'll go ahead and, and re- read these for you. Icosapentanoyl ethanolamide and icosapentanoyl glycerol, as well as docoxahexanoyl ethanolamide and docoxahexanoyl glycerol. These are the um, cannabinoids from these omega-3 polyunsaturated fats. Now, why am I going through this? Because... What we are now learning is that these two uh, different groups of cannabinoids, the ones made from the polyunsaturated uh, omega-6s and the ones from the omega-3s, are interacting a little bit differently with the cannabinoid system. What it looks like is that the omega-6 anandamide and 2-AG are mainly working on CB1, whereas these omega-3s are maybe working a little bit more on CB2. And so what we can begin to look at is that this very interesting relationship between the kinds of fats that we're eating and the way our endocannabinoid system is 
functioning. Now, we haven't talked a whole lot about CB1 and CB2, but we can talk a little bit about CB1 being mostly in the brain and CB2 being mostly in the body. CB1 is really all about stimulating the mood. When we talk about the traffic lights, you could think of CB1 is go, right? If it's overactive, you're a little bit more anxious. If it's overactive, you're a little bit more stimulated and having more cravings and more appetite and more of those kind of things. You're a little bit more focused. You're a little bit more driven, right? You're a little bit more go, 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 go. Now, if you stimulate CB2, it's a little bit more in the body, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more chill, a little bit more anti-inflammatory. So in a very overly simplistic way, we can think of CB1 as being sort of stimulatory green light. And we can think of CB2 as being a little bit more uh, red light and relaxing. Green light brain, red light body in a sense. Now, one of the interesting things about this is that these omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acid-derived cannabinoids seem to bind the CB1 and CB2 receptors a little bit more weakly um, and maybe are acting a little bit more on CB2, whereas the uh, you know omega-6s, especially 2-AG cannabinoids, are binding very strongly to CB1 and CB2. Why does this make a difference? Because one of the things that we know is that we want to be able to not have these things be overactive or underactive. We don't want too much stimulation and we don't want too little stimulation. We want the Goldilocks effect, as we oftentimes talk about with hormones. We want it to be just right, not too much, not too little, but just right. And it seems to be that these omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids that bind to the, uh, you know, sort of weakly to CB1 and CB2 tend to be more adaptogenic in their responses. In other words, tend to be a little bit more gentle and a little bit more regulating and a little bit more likely to get you into this sort of Goldilocks zone. Now, this is important because once I start talking about the popular cannabinoids in plants, uh, you'll see that some of these have overly stimulating effects, are more green light, and some of them are a little bit more red light. But what we really want is this area in between, sort of the yellow light effect, right? The ones that are sort of like slow down, get ready to take it easy. And one of the things that goes on in our stress response as humans is we oftentimes get stuck in this very sympathetic overdrive state and have a very difficult time getting back into this relaxation state. And so cannabinoids help us do this. So one of the things that we can do right away if we want to take really good care of our endocannabinoid system is really start realizing that good quality fats are going to be important and getting plenty of omega-3s, not just a ton of omega-6s. Now we know in the Western world, most of us have somewhere from 5 to 1 up to 20 to 1 of our omega-6s versus omega-3s. And this has an impact on things like anxiety and depression and negative emotional states and possibly negative hormonal states. Now we're starting to see this may be related to the endocannabinoid system versus the omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids giving us different endogenous cannabinoids, which can allay some of this stuff, help with anxiety, help with depression, help with uh, more favorable and functional immune uh, modulation and those kinds of things. This is very, very important to sort of understand. And so when it comes to taking care of the endocannabinoid system, one of the first things I just wanted to mention is your diet is critical. The amounts and types of fats that you're eating, having more omega-3 oils is important. And you can get these oils primarily from 
fish oil. But of course, one of the oils that makes EPA and DHEA is alpha-linolenic acid, which is actually highly prevalent in the same plant where you get some of these exogenous cannabinoids, hemp. Hemp actually has a strong amount of this as well. So hemp oil can be really useful in this regard, as well as fish oils. Now let's get into some of the things you're probably sort of wondering about. What about exogenous sources of these cannabinoids and how can we use them? Well, first, if you really want a healthy metabolism and you really want to get a handle on this, you need to watch what you are eating and not overeating or undereating and also getting these fish oil components, these polyunsaturated omega-6, omega-3 ratio uh, sort of taken care of. But then what we can do is in the meantime, as we're building that, if you're someone who's dealing with lots of mental emotional issues, issues of CB1 receptor or issues of uh, stress overstimulation in the body, things like irritable bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, you know, any kind of um, uh, adrenal, you know, for lack of a better term, adrenal fatigue or metabolic uh, dysfunction or uh, uh, lack of regulation in the digestive tract, any of this kind of stuff, these would be CB2 modulated things, we can hack in to the metabolism and begin to address those with uh, these exogenous outside sources of cannabinoids. And we're going to talk mainly about CBD, cannabidiol, the second most prevalent cannabinoid in uh, marijuana or cannabis. Now, CBD versus THC. Let's get into that first. THC binds CB1 mainly. Now, remember, when we talked about CB1, it's the green light. Stimulates appetite. So what happens if you get you know, high with THC, the psychoactive cannabinoid in cannabis? You're going to stimulate appetite in the short term. You're going to... Um, you know, basically stimulate focus a little bit. You're going to have many psychoactive effects. You're going to stimulate a lot of uh, things in the body versus if you have more CBD activity and it binds more of uh, CB2, you're going to have more body effects. And this is where you get some of the differences in the different types of, uh, you know, sort of marijuana plants and the idea of sativa versus indica. Now, this is, again, oversimplified because uh, a lot of these things, there's way more cannabinoids than just CBD and THC. But one of the major things that you can see with sativa is that it's usually higher in THC versus CBD, whereas indica is usually higher in CBD versus THC. Now, of course, the main effects of these plants, depending on how you're using them, are going to come with the different terpenes and other cannabinoids that are present in it. But in general, one of the reasons why sativa Sativa is usually thought of as the thing that gets you high and, and something you might want to use during the day to stay focused is because of the THC and lower CBD effects versus uh, indicas, which, you know, that whole thing in the couch, this body relaxation response, putting us to sleep in a sense, more CBD oriented. Indicas typically have more CBD. Now, also, there's a bunch of different hybrids if you're into sort of marijuana. Now, one of the things that happened here is if CBD is more the, the red light, that's why you want to take, usually indicas are taken at night, they're taken to relax, they're taken to recover. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that if THC is primarily stimulating appetite, CBD is looking like it's probably 
appetite neutral or maybe in high doses, even appetite reducing. One of the things that CBD does is it partially binds CB1 and binds it much weaker, which means the stronger acting THC can't bind it as well. So that decreases some of the appetite and stimulating effects. Plus it binds CB2. CB, CB2 receptor, which has lots of these relaxing effects on the muscles and the digestive tract and immunomodulatory. It's anti-inflammatory. Um, it has all these sort of different effects and it does a lot of stuff, which is why you'll hear a lot of things like people say that, you know, CBD is good for everything, including hangnails and everything under the sun, partly because of its broad reaching effects on the immune system and the sort of uh, hypothalamus, uh, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid, gonadal axis. One of the things that all cannabinoids are doing is they're kind of tapping into the body's other hormonal systems in a sense. And we're not exactly sure how that's happening, but we do know that 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 happens. One of the things about CBD, by the way, cannabidiol, is that CBD um, basically upregulates serotonin receptors as well, making people a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more self-esteem oriented. It has anti-inflammatory effects. It has positive gut effects. It has some really nice effects on uh, some of the uh, immune reactivity that goes on in the progression of Alzheimer's disease. And what we're really excited about, probably if you're listening to this, is what it can do for sleep and recovery from exercise. CBD is an amazing um, adjunct to help us get to sleep faster. And while the research is still out, we're still trying to figure out if it helps with REM sleep and, and does it help with deep sleep. We're still not clear on that, but some of the preliminary research shows it definitely aids with sleep uh, subjectively and people who take it, people who take it sleep longer. And it looks like it may actually be improving deep sleep as well. And so this is one of the benefits of CBD, of taking the edge off, reducing stress for those of us who don't have a lot of ability to do that or are very stressed out, especially when we're kind of stuck in stress mode. And a lot of us know what this is like when we can't go to sleep or we wake up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. every you know sort of uh, morning. CBD can help with this. Now, let's sort of switch into talking a little bit more about CBD because now we have the ability to isolate CBD and um, other cannabinoids that are not psychoactive. So imagine now you can get sort of this cannab- endocannabinoid system hack by taking CBD oil along with some of the other cannabinoids that can be beneficial without THC. So you get sort of this green light, yellow light effect of calming everything down without a lot of the sort of stimulating effect of THC. So we get to sort of use this, these exogenous uh, cannabinoids to kind of help buffer against stress, which we are needed and may actually help with appetite as well. For example, one of my favorite products now that I'm going to tell you about in a minute is from Cure Nutrition. This is where I'm using my CBDs from. I also really like Soul CBD. Soul CBD is a company that I use for their CBD and Cure Nutrition is also a company that I use for their for their CBD. And both companies do a really great job of having full spectrum hemp oils. And what that does is put other cannabinoids along with CBD, which can have a positive effect. For example, at Cured Nutrition, they actually have another cannabinoid, tetrahydrocannabivarin. This is different than 
tetrahydrocannabinol, THC versus THCV. THC is the psychoactive one that stimulates appetite. THCV looks like it suppresses appetite, opposing what THC is doing, and also has some very positive impact on blood sugar regulation. So when you have a full-spectrum hemp oil that has CBD in it and THCV, like Cure does, you now can have a very powerful adaptogen for stress reduction plus something that helps with one of the biggest issues for people who are trying to lose weight, blood sugar regulation control. And this is also a major parameter on our health as well. And so one of the things that you want to be thinking about as you're dosing with CBD um, is thinking about having it with other cannabinoids that are synergistic with it related to what you're trying to achieve. So for me, I'm always really interested in what we can do to shut down appetite. I'm a metabolism guy. I spent most of my career helping people with weight loss. And so, yes, one of the things you'll see, by the way, is when you increase polyunsaturated fatty acids, specifically omega-3s, you will see in some people some decreased appetite. We're now maybe wondering if this has something to do with the endocannabinoid system. We know it modulates leptin, but guess what else modulates leptin? The endocannabinoid system. Pretty cool, right? So now we can start using, now that we have CBD widely available, and we're also being able to experiment with some of these full-spectrum hemp oils that actually have other cannabinoids in it, not THC, but things like THCV that will stimulate serotonin receptors, uh, favorably modulate CB1 so it's not overly stimulated, modulate CB2 preferentially so we get this relaxation response, and also have some positive impacts on gut integrity, gut mobility, gut immune function, and even gut incretins uh, that stimulate, that are stimulated to shut hunger down in the brain. These are the effects that we're, we're really wanting, plus helping with sleep. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to do something on this in particular. And I know that this is a difficult one. Many of you maybe aren't following me completely, but let me just sort of repeat myself before I wrap up completely. Here's what we're talking about here. We're talking about this new system, the endocannabinoid system, that we are now realizing is a whole other powerful hormone-like system in the body that is regulating both our nervous system function and our endocrine function. So it's sort of the go-between between the psycho, neuro, endocrine system. Well, the thing that's underlying all that is the endocannabinoid system. The endocannabinoid system really has two sort of major receptors, CB1s and CB2s, that basically turn on if you're CB1 and more relax us if you're CB2. So we describe this as being sort of the situation like traffic flow. Obviously, we have roads, we have cars on those roads, but then we need a way to regulate that so everyone's not crashing into each other. This is what the endocannabinoid system does. It sort of acts like the light system, the traffic system, green, red, yellow, so we can basically go and look at now all these different cannabinoids, those that we make in our body from omega-6s and omega-3s, seeing that the omega-6s are more stimulatory and the omega-3-derived endocannabinoids are more relaxing. The omega-6s are more green light go and the omega-3 endocannabinoids are more yellow light and red light slow down. And so we can begin to adjust this by adjusting our fatty acid intake more towards omega-3, less towards omega-6. We then can use these 
exogenous sources of endocannabinoids from the cannabis plant. We can do it with THC if we want, and we can also do it with CBD. CBD has the benefit in that it's not stimu- overly stimulating the CB1 receptors. It's not having psychoactive properties either, and it's primarily functioning on CB2, which has this nice overlap between the body, the hormonal system, and the immune system, and specifically the digestive system. It's also really good for pain management as well. So now we can use CBD as an adaptogen. And of the two uh, sort of, uh, of all the cannabinoids, exogenous cannabinoids, CBD, cannabidiol, is the one that is most like an adaptogen because it doesn't bind these receptors as strongly. And it is more likely to help you get into that Goldilocks zone and helping your metabolism respond appropriately to stress, which is really what this is about. You've learned from me that the metabolism is much like a stress barometer. That's basically what it is. Well, you can imagine seeing this barometer pegged out redlined because you put your metabolism under too much stress through diet, exercise, sleep deprivation, illness, overwork, etc. And being able to hack into that stress barometer with something like CBD oil and calm that down, bringing you back down a little bit. Or even if you're kind of overburned and now your stress barometer is completely low and you can't have any motivation, ramping that up a little bit. Not too much stress, not too little stress, but just right. This is what these uh, endocannabinoids can essentially do, aiding us in recovery and sleep, aiding us in regeneration through the immune response, being anti-inflammatory and having positive effects here. One thing I'll mention though here is because I know it'll come up, people will be like, well, we're dealing with COVID right now as I'm doing this episode. And a lot of people might ask, well, what about these things? Are these good for viruses and things like that? Probably not actually because of the way that CBD works. It's not going to stimulate the the immune system in the way that it's going to help you fight uh, sort of infections like that. What it's best for is chronic inflammatory conditions where it essentially takes down the fire in a sense, puts out the fire a little bit. It's not great for, you know, sort of acute infections that we know of yet. It's just really great for sort of chronic inflammatory conditions from overuse and overstress and overeating. And so this tends to have that effect of helping us eat less, helping us reduce the immune response, helping our uh, reduce gut motility and digesting our food better and all of these things that we need to be uh, healthier, more functional, uh, look better and live longer. And I'm most interested in this primarily for Blood sugar management, because I'm someone who suffers from lots of blood sugar irregularities due to stress responses, not necessarily food responses. And so I'm very interested in particular the CBD-TH-CV combination, which you will find primarily It's one of the reasons why I use cured uh, nutrition CBD products, because they have this full hemp oil that essentially uh, isolates these different compounds and has THCV in it as well as... Uh, active amounts of CBD, which has this nice effect for me uh, of potentially lowering appetite. And I say potentially because I'm still fooling around with this. Sometimes you learn the mechanisms and then you have to figure out what are the right amounts. For example, one rat study showing CBD can lower appetite was done with 20 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So if my math is correct, that's probably about 1,500 milligrams of CBD for an adult human. 
and someone my size is probably more like 1800 milligrams to get that strong appetite suppressing effect. However, we know that it also antagonizes some of the CB1 receptors. So it's not necessarily the CBD has appetite suppressing effects. It, it may just stop any appetite stimulatory effects. We know what this is like, right? Under stress, appetite goes up. Uh, excess sort of working out and things like that, appetite goes up. What if we could have something that just keeps that from happening? That's what I'm looking at with CBD. And yes, in higher doses, it's probably going to shut down appetite just like it does in the rat studies. Although rats have slightly different endocannabinoid system than us. But of course, then you add THCV on board, which looks like it directly inhibits appetite. And you have a nice one-two punch uh, not just to lower stress, not just to help you sleep, which all regulate appetite, but also to regulate appetite themselves. Now, if you're just looking at taking CBD, what are the typical doses of CBD? Well, in a typical product, you're, you're typically going to see anywhere from 20 milligrams to 30 milligrams of CBD in a product. If you really want to start getting results from this, to me, the doses I like to use in clinical practice are right around 200 milligrams of CBD um, for people who are really, really under stress and who really need to get better sleep and all of that kind of stuff. That's sort of my beginning dose. And I'm starting to fool around with it with myself, very high doses to try to suppress uh, sort of appetite a little bit. And that would be up into the 500 milligram range, even up to a thousand sort of milligram range based on these particular rat studies. Now, one of the things that I'll say, and the, the product that, that I want to introduce you to that I like so much now, they're going to be representing uh, my podcast and I'm going to, well, I should say I'm going to be rep representing them uh, on my podcast and have developed a relationship with them. Um, so full disclosure, when you order from Cured Nutrition, uh, I get a little bit of a kickback from them. I have fallen in love with this particular product. And so that's uh, basically the relationship that I want to do. Uh, just as an aside here, uh, when you do a podcast, you're constantly, constantly getting people to want to rep your, um, you know, sort of your, your show. Hey, use our product. They send you products, this and that. Well, part of how I am with this kind of stuff is I only am going to recommend things that I actually use. And the two CBD products that I use are Cured Nutrition and Soul CBD. Now, I don't have a formal relationship with Soul CBD. I am entering into a formal relationship with Cured uh, Nutrition. And I just want you to be aware of that. And I use these products myself. And so I definitely would check them out. Um, they have the, I use from them, by the way, they have several different formulas. Let me talk to you about this a little. One of the things I love about Cured Nutrition is that they understand the endocannabinoid system very much like it is an adaptogen. And so they're using other adaptogenic herbs and things like that. So depending on what you combine, you know, CBD with, you can use it in the morning to, as more of stimulatory and sort of uh, focus oriented um, based on sort of what you're trying to do. And you can also use it uh, at night for more relaxing effects. And so one of the things I love is they have an awake formula that basically has, uh, you know, sort of I think it's called Rise. Uh, yeah, it's Rise. Their Rise formula basically has uh, these adaptogens in it that help with fatigue management and help regulate sort of energy. And then they have their Zen formula, which is the one I really love that I use every night to help put me to sleep that has more relaxing uh, sort of uh, herbs and um, neuro neurotransmitter pushes uh, and along with the CBD. And so these are very, very beneficial 
for use. And so I'm going to stop there, stop rambling on. This is a tough one. Hopefully you followed me on the science. Um, This is one of those things that a lot of people are going to be interested in. And a couple other things I'll say before I let you go. When you are looking at CBD or anything that is an oil, one of the things you want to be careful about is you want to be careful about pesticide residues in these oils because pesticides are endocrine disruptors and they are oftentimes in fat-soluble things. And a lot of companies do not um, actually do the testing to get these things out of their product. So when I first started using Cured's product and getting good results from it, one of the first things I wanted to know is, did they do heavy metal testing? Did they do pesticide testing? To be honest with you, I didn't think they would because not a lot of companies spend the money. One of the reasons I really like them is that they absolutely do. And if you ask them, they will actually send you your spe- their spec sheets. They test their oils for all these endocrine disruptors, which means you're getting pure CBD and other endocannabinoids, uh, other, other cannabinoids rather, um, and without all of the potential endocrine disrupting chemicals. And that matters if you're going to get uh, results. And so definitely check them out on my site, jadetita.com. I will have a link um, to Cured Nutrition. You'll be hearing much more about them uh, on the podcast. One of the things I think is absolutely critical that we need is safe, powerful, uh, results-driven products to help us manage stress. This is why you're going to be hear way more about adaptogens from me, and specifically this particular adaptogen, which is quickly becoming one of my favorites, CBD. And there's going to be a lot, a lot of research coming on CBD. And so I'll try to update sort of you on the research, but hopefully this gives you a good sense of what the endocannabinoid system is, how we make these cannabinoids from our polyunsaturated fatty acids, uh, omega-6s and omega-3s, the different sort of CB1 and CB2 receptors and what they do, uh, the idea of THC versus CBD versus uh, THCV and other cannabinoids and how they all have these different effects and how we can regulate our stress response, our immune response response, our overreactivity relative to stress by using CBD in particular. So we don't get this overstimulation of CB1 uh, receptor with THC. We get more of the stop and slow down type of traffic response from CBD to get this nice Goldilocks effect. So excited to introduce you to Cured Nutrition and uh, excited about sharing this new science with you. Um, Not new science, but this science on the endocannabinoid system and hope you have a better understanding of it now. I will see you at the next podcast. Thank you so much for hanging around and talk to you soon.